0: Welcome to Fearless, an audio series designed to help you take action towards letting go of your eating disorder. My name is Jessica Flint and I'll be your guide to helping you embody the recovered version of yourself. Like every human being ever to walk this planet, you and I are not immune to fear. It is biologically programmed into our brains. At the same time, I'm committed to not letting fear control my destiny and want you to have the same freedom. Every time we choose courage over fear, we grow stronger and receive what we desire most in regards to our recovery, our health, love, wealth, and impact in the world. In order to fully let go of your eating disorder and whatever is holding you back in life, you need to learn how to alchemize fear into courage. So let's lock arms and do this work together. Welcome back to Fearless My Warrior Loves. Today, we are going to be talking about four core fears we all have in common. Now, these are super important to understand because these are really the underlying fears. They're going to help you work through all these eating disorder fears that come in the way, all these food fears, body fears. They are deeply rooted into these core fears. So I'm excited to be diving into this with Andrea. Andrea Wells is our new host of Recover Strong. So Andrea, thank you so much for being here with us today to to talk about fear.
1: Thank you. I'm glad to be back.
0: Yeah, you're you're my co-pilot for this fearless as we both transition into completely new roles. You as the host of Recover Strong, me as the upcoming host of Love and Learn in the fall. So it's excited for us to both explore how we're navigating fear as we step into these uncharted territories for both of us. Yeah.
1: I know we've shared some of our own fears. This is a period of transition and it's exciting. It's scary. It's both. We're going through it. We're figuring it out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And that's such an important key really to go through these things with others. I I mean, I, I can't imagine going through, or I can, I have gone through a lot of these things alone and it's so much harder and really, when you can start to just be open about your fears and being around people who have similar fears as you, you can start to see like, oh wait, I'm not alone in this. And this is okay to have this. And this is how so-and-so, and this is how they're working through it, right? And so we can start to see people when they model fear and model courage, how how important that can be for our own selves too, to do the same. So yeah, let's just be good role models for each other. <laughs> <laughs> Deal. <laughs> so the in the first episode, we talked about, we shared a little parable and you um that talked about the idea of feeding fear versus feeding our courage. And you shared a really awesome story with me that I just want the listeners to to know because it, it really touched my heart, like how much that parable and this you've heard this one beforehand. So anybody, I do recommend that if you are just hopping into this episode, go to the beginning, start from start fresh from the very top of Fearless and just catch all of these cuz they're all really designed to help you work On your fear practically, tangibly, and experientially. So, you'll get a lot of value out of every single episode that we release and every lesson inside of it. Uh, But, Andrea, like, what meaning did that parable bring to you?
1: Yeah, that brought up a lot of memories of an experience I went through a little over two years ago. I was hospitalized involuntarily into an inpatient psychiatric facility for about a week. due to really intense and severe PTSD symptoms and OCD. I was suicidal. Um, It was a mental health crisis. It was very, very bad. It was the most horrific time of my life. And uh, I was in the treatment center doing the different groups that they do. They had different social workers and therapists come in and just do kind of general mental health education. And there was one group that I participated in. Where they shared this parable, and I had like heard of it vaguely before. I've I've heard of the two wolves. I didn't really know what it meant. I never heard the full story before. And they printed it out on a piece of paper, and we all read it together. And I was like, "Wow, that's interesting." <laughs> because I realized for so long, you know, I I had come really far in eating disorder recovery, and in my situation, there was more to uncover with PTSD and OCD to work through as well. And that's where I was at at that time. And I'd realized that for so many years, I had been feeding the unhealthy wolf is what I would refer to it in my mind. I think different versions of the story use different words. But for me, I consider it the unhealthy wolf and the healthy wolf. And that might have been the wording I had on the worksheet that they gave me. But I remember like, okay, so this is what I've been doing. I've been feeding the unhealthy wolf and look where I am. I almost took my own life. I'm hospitalized because that's what got me here. Imagine if I fed the healthy wolf, the wolf of, before I was feeding the wolf of, you know, despair, hopelessness, feeling broken. And what if instead I fed the wolf of hope, possibility, healing, the belief that I could get better. It's not all doomed. So once I got out of the hospital, you know, it it wasn't, I wasn't just magically better, even though, yeah, I did participate in some groups and they were helpful. It was not a snap my fingers. Oh my God, I feel great now. I still felt horrible. And I just had moments that were really dark again, really, really dark, not knowing if I was going to fighting for my life again, basically. And I would pull out that paper that they gave me with the parable of the wolf on it. I still have it in my closet. <laughs> and I would just read that and be like, okay, I'm feeling I'm feeling despair. I'm feeling hopelessness. I'm feeling like it can never get better. I'm feeling broken. That's the wolf I'm feeding. We're going to start feeding the other wolf, even though maybe I didn't always believe it in the moment, but I fed it anyway. And eventually, that wolf grew big and strong over time it took over I'm in a much better place and I think that I think the parable's amazing I also think like when I first heard it I'm like oh this is kind of cheesy but also it it really struck a chord so <laughs> no shame in our recovery game right I liked it I worked with it and also last year Jessica knows I'm a big Demi Lovato fan <laughs> Demi put a song on her new album and it's like about the parable <laughs> I'm like, oh my god, that resonated with Demi too. Like, this is legit. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. So you're like at around
0: year two of of that kind of major, uh, I would call rock bottom point, right? Like, are you feeling like, wow, like you're really seeing the significant changes and uh, ability to to feed that wolf more
1: consistently, the the healthy wolf? Yeah, definitely. It's one of those things where when you flex that muscle, you don't even have to think about it so hard anymore. I'm so used to feeding that wolf. It's just natural. It's normal to me. It's muscle memory, which is really nice because it sucks living the other way where you're feeding the darker wolf and the darker thoughts. It's rough. I've been there with eating disorder, with trauma, with many things.
0: And so much of it can be unconscious where we're not even aware that we have a choice, right? That we just... Feed the other wolf. The other wolf can be kind of so far out of our our peripheral vision, just like that we even aren't even aware it's there, and that we have an option to start to feed it. And so that that's an important piece that we'll be getting into. This is that there's a choice that we do have choices in how we navigate our fears, the exact situations that we we're put in in our life that may have created. These strong aversions to things happening and just the society that we've been raised in, right? All of that. Like, we can't change that. Uh, We can't change the hardwiring of our nervous system overnight. We can with time. However, it's just recognizing that there is a choice that we have in in these matters and what wolf we can feed. So, I recommend checking out that episode and that lesson inside if you haven't yet. And uh, yeah, just having that awareness. Like, I was completely unaware to the extent of my complex PTSD, it became more apparent. And so I'm going to say this a lot. Don't expect you know everything about yourself right now. And you'll do a large disservice to your healing if you believe that you know everything about yourself and what is your problem and how you're going to solve it bringing a beginner's mindset, bringing an open mind to yourself, to your healing will help immensely. It's okay to be wrong or to have things that you think are truth with a capital T to then have those dispelled or to be seen from a different angle or from a different light. And then once you do, it becomes much more clear and apparent as to why certain things are the way they are or why you react the way you react. And just to kind of keep that in mind, um, our ego is very protective, and our ego really loves to think it's right. And so, sometimes that that protective mechanism can be so strong that it prevents us from seeing other options. So, I just want you to think about that when you think about your fears and how strong they are, and the stories they're telling you—the fear story—what this unwanted thing that you think will happen is—to just be open to that not being truth, <laughs> not being truth. So just kind of keep that in mind, guys. Well, Andrea, thank you so much for sharing that uh, story. It's, it's so encouraging to, to know that you've been able to come this far and that you were able to you know, call on this resource to help you out in moments of, of hard times, in your hard times. So we can always find things that we can latch onto when we need them. Just know that you can have these little things to, to remind you of why you're doing this, that you can make it through
1: it can so, get better it can all right
0: 100 percent. it can and you can endure the parts where it doesn't feel like yeah. it is um with a little more grace and a little more space and with your healthy wolf by your side <laughs> and- <laughs> yeah. all right aw- woo! let's get into the uh let's get into the <laughs> just randomly wanted to make a wolf call <laughs> oh, who doesn't All right, let's get into this lesson for today where we explore the four core fears we all have in common. Now for today's lesson, we will be exploring the floorboards of fear. When you begin to name your fears, you will see that you can trace their roots back to these four fundamental sources. Now before we hop into what these four fundamental sources are, let's get on the same page about what fear is exactly. The definition describes fear as an anxious feeling caused by our anticipation of some imagined event or experience. Medical experts tell us that that anxious feeling we get when we're afraid is actually a standardized biological reaction. Whether we're afraid of getting bitten by a dog, getting left by our lover, or being judged for our body size, it's pretty much the same set of body signals and physiological pathways that get set off. Fear, like all other emotions, contains precious information. Now, Knowing the fundamental sources of your fear can help you see the bigger picture and give you more context on how to work with your fear. Today we will cover four basic fears, out of which almost all of our other so-called fears are manufactured. So these are more of our root fears. The first one is pretty obvious. This one is a fear of death. The idea of no longer being alive arouses a primary existential anxiety in all normal humans. You know, consider what happens when you think deeply about a deadly virus like covid what it can do to you what it could do for the people you love this naturally invokes fear and the actual fears that we find to be more scary around death are individualized you know whether it's a fear of falling off a building or a fear of drowning or a fear of getting a deadly virus all of these can change depending on the person but in the end it is the fear of death The second fear is a loss of autonomy. You know, you can also think about this as the fear of being suffocated or paralyzed, restricted, trapped, imprisoned, smothered, or any otherwise way of being controlled by circumstances that are beyond your control. Different expressions of how this fear can be triggered is by situations such as a fear of commitment feeling that you're going to lose your personal power if you commit to someone to a marriage to a family a poverty debilitating illness aging it can also be triggered by situations where we feel helpless or powerless From time to time, parents can also feel this fear of being overwhelmed, trapped, and restricted because they have an immense responsibility of taking care of a child or their children that can't be given up. So this fear of loss of autonomy really boils down to anything where you fear the loss of independence, of your own sovereignty, of freedom, your self-sufficiency, your individualism, All of these can lead to a fear of a loss of autonomy. The third fear is the fear of separation. You can also think about this as the fear of abandonment, rejection and loss of connectedness and belonging. It's a fear of not being wanted, respected or valued by anyone else. We humans have a strong biological need to belong. From an evolutionary perspective, when an early human was kicked out of the tribe, they likely would have died. So, this fear literally threatens our well being and survival. Different expressions of this fear being triggered can be when a relationship ends, or even the thought of a relationship ending. It could be a friendship a divorce, or a breakup, or a death of a loved one. This type of fear can also be triggered when a relationship deepens, and with that, an experience of vulnerability. Meaning, you are exposing yourself emotionally to this person, and you are entering into some risk and uncertainty with your heart. And from there, you can start to fear. What happens if this person I rely on leaves me? This relates back now to then a fear of intimacy the fear of separation can also be triggered by an argument or a disagreement with someone important to us whether it's at home or work and any that you have an argument you can start to fear the abandonment the rejection or the loss of connectedness and belonging and the fear of separation is something that can be very common with people who have early childhood abandonment stories or wounds or having a certain parental figure that was not around an absent father or an absent mother these early abandonment scenarios and situations can lead to the fear of separation being much more pronounced and finally our fourth fear is the fear of ego death now that may be a little meta so it's also can be seen as the fear of humiliation shame or overall worthlessness, or any other mechanism of profound self-disapproval that threatens the loss of integrity of the self. Meaning your strength and integrity of self feels compromised. Now we all need to feel lovable, worthy of love, and of value in the world in order to have healthy relationships with others and with ourselves so much suffering comes from feeling less than not worthy of love unlovable this shame can be an absolutely excruciating feeling something many of us will go to great lengths to avoid or to numb through addictions or destructive behaviors or any way to just push away these feelings when we are shamed and humiliated It can threaten or destroy our belief in our worth, our lovability, and our value in the world. Different expressions of how this fear can be triggered are having a fear of failure, wanting to put yourself out there into the world, having a fear of visibility, of criticism, of bullying, of being victimized, making mistakes, public speaking. Once again, that ties back to visibility, having people look at you, being seen and heard. Now, these feelings of shame and worthlessness are often triggered by an expectation of judgment or criticism. That if I do this, I will be judged. I will be criticized. If I look like this, I will be judged. I will be criticized. Whether it's from ourselves, personal self-judgment, self-criticism, or by others. This fear can sometimes be hard to spot. Because feelings of shame and worthlessness can be internalized to such a degree that you actually believe that it's truth and that you are this way. And the self-criticism and the self-judgment becomes a way of operating in the world and belief system. And this is why self-awareness is so important to start to separate the shame from the truth of who you are. So to review the four basic fears, they are. One, a fear of death. Two, loss of autonomy. Three, fear of separation. Four, fear of ego death. Meaning, I do not want to feel the shame, humiliation, or feelings of worthlessness or feelings of worthlessness that lead me to believe that I am not good enough to be loved or valued or have a place in the world. So now let's check in. Which of these fears make up most of your worries and pain stories? Take a second to pause and think about it. Is it the fear of death? The fear of losing your autonomy? The fear of separation and abandonment? The fear of ego death and feeling shame and worthlessness? What are the common fear stories and how do they relate to these four Core fears. The more clearly and calmly we can articulate the origin of our fears, the less our fears will frighten us and control us. So, in order to fear less, we must have greater self awareness to what lies beneath the fear stories. And in doing so, it reminds us of our humanity. Everyone struggles with these fears to varying degrees. And it's in our response to these fears that we find our freedom. Now stay tuned for the next lesson on responding to fear versus reacting to fear. And remember, the greatest things in life are on the other side of fear. So let's not waste another moment of this one precious life holding ourselves back. And if you want support to cultivate the courage to face your own fears and recovery, head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com to get on the waitlist for the Courage Club. The Courage Club is a personalized support system and a supportive community to uplift you every step of the way. Picture yourself surrounded by a community of resilient warriors who genuinely care about your progress and will celebrate every victory, no matter how small and are walking on a similar path to full eating disorder recovery. Inside, we are tackling struggles with food, body image concerns, and negative thought patterns. Head over to www.jointhecourageclub.com and embrace the journey towards a healthier and happier you. Thank you for tuning in today. And remember that fear doesn't have to hold you back. You can live with greater courage and take back your precious power.